Welcome to the Nuco Shift Dialogues podcast. For the first season, we've selected some of the best conversations we've had throughout the year to share with you, our first listeners. These conversations were originally recorded at the NASDAQ Entrepreneurial Center as part of our Dialogues project, where we chat with leaders on the front lines of the greatest shift in business since the Industrial Revolution. The first season of our podcast is brought to you by EY, Building a Better Working World. Our education system was built for the industrial era. Alt School's platform rethinks learning from the classroom up. We spoke with Max Ventia, founder and CEO of Alt School, on how they are examining the core operating system of education and using more than just technology to improve it. Welcome, Max. So let's start with what Alt School's mission is. Alt School's mission is to enable all children to achieve their full potential. Isn't that the mission of the public school system? I'd say the mission of a public school system is to allow those children to achieve their full potential. What's the difference? Uh, I mean, I think the word all is a really That's a very big difference. Yeah, yeah. and, and it, it pushes you down a certain line of thinking, namely that you, know, you need to make the best education system the one that the most people are actually receiving. We start with a different notion of what quality is. We believe that a quality education is one that allows for a personalized path of the student and that results in not just academic progress, but, but as importantly or more importantly, non-academic progress. If you look ahead to you know, the 2030s, 2040s, when kids in school today are going to be adults, the grit that they have, the perseverance that they have, the ability to direct themselves, the ability to seek out problems and not just solve problems, mm-hmm. I think for certainly those of us who kind of got a glimpse of the future, working right. in Silicon Valley, being entrepreneurs, you know, being at places like Google, it's pretty obvious that, that those are the skills that you're going to need to have, those are the characteristics that you're going to mm-hmm. have to be successful, not just you know, being good at English and math and, and knowing history. Right. The eventual solution to education, which is uh, a system that gets better with scale, not worse with scale, a system that has accelerating improvements and actually keeps pace with the changes in the world around so that you're preparing kids for that future. Right. Describe kind of this idea of a full stack school or full t- stack education platform. A top-down system of education where you have all these different islands, right, where this school district and that charter management organization and this private school don't talk to each other, don't benefit each other, have no interoperability, that's not going to result in what you want. So that's in some senses what we can all agree that we need. And the question is, how do you get there? Do you get there by making kind of incremental changes on the existing system? Do you try and go to big public schools that rightly are conservative? and ask them to suddenly fundamentally change how they behave, that would be surprising if it would work. Our aim is to say, well, no, you kind of start off to the side. And that's where full stack comes in, Mm -hmm. right? Like starting off to the side means being able to create new schools, being able to hire the teachers, being able to design the classrooms, being able to create the kind of pedagogy approach and the, the software and hardware capabilities that support that making as much use of the great things that people have already figured out as possible. I mean, we're a 150-person startup, even with 50 engineers, which is more engineers than pretty much elementary, any elementary school system on the planet. That's not enough to like, right. really build but a lot isn't, of stuff. When we talk about, and I want to get back to full stack, but there's an objection that I think is so strong in our social fabric, which is these are kids' lives. 
we don't want to mess it up. We know this system's not very good, but all of us kind of went through it and like we, some of us did well, some of us did poorly, but like making changes to that system seems dangerous because we don't really know what's going to work and not work. We don't want these young kids to be guinea pigs in a failed lab experiment, right? Yeah, but the, the, I think that that's actually exactly wrong, right? Like you want these kids to be scientists. You want these kids to be experimenting. You want them to be trying things out. You want them to be iterative. You want them to understand that like never failing is a guarantee of never actually succeeding at the things that mm -hmm. matter. There are certain things that are immutable and you need to you need to create two separate categories in terms of like what are you changing and how are you approaching it. Mm -hmm. There's there's safety, there's security like there you make darn sure that you know it works. What's the difference in the classroom and the experience of the kids in an alt school compared to a typical public school? So it, it's three things. Number one is that the education is personalized. There's a culture that that student is driving their own experience and that they have agency, especially as they get older and older, mm. about not just what are they doing, but how are they being evaluated, right? How are they setting goals? How are they representing their knowledge? Second, that it is equally about their academic learning and about their non-academic learning, right? That their, their character skills matter, that their, their grit, their perseverance, that their experience with being successful after failing a bunch of times is as much a part of the education as, as I said, mm -hmm. you know, learning history facts and knowing how to multiply two-digit numbers. Do you compare stuff to Common Core and you do standardized side. testing and all that stuff that Absolutely. is, you do all that. So you, That's right. so they know, like I'm checking the boxes and, and if they end up, you know, after eighth grade, they've had this awesome alt school, you know, eight or 10 years of awesome alt school, then go to public high school, what happens to them? They must be, <laughs> must be kind of a shock. Well, uh, you know, and, and let me get back to the third thing that's right, different, sure, which is that, that they're part of a network that the quality comes not just from the, the classroom teacher that's in front of them in that moment, but from the rest of the people, the educators, the parents, the students, mm -hmm. the experts, mm -hmm. the engineers behind the scenes you know, in the system. Those things are actually quite different than what goes on in a typical classroom. There's cameras in the classroom that record the interactions so that you can look and get insights from them later. Um, there is a flow of information that goes around from teacher to student to parent and back around again. And then there's metadata that you pull to gain insights that you know otherwise you wouldn't have. And that's, I would imagine, fundamental to the idea of scale. Yeah. You get hundreds or thousands of schools all on a similar platform, the insights start to get to Google scale in terms mm -hmm. of what you can see and how you can start to tune the engine, so to speak. So tell, give us a sort of a sense of the information flows of an alt school. Yeah, so first off, the background of the team in you know, personalization and recommendation technology is hugely relevant because we start with a representation of each child. We believe that the vast majority of the learning should happen non-digitally, and, and it does in any alt school classroom. Most of what a kid is doing is not on a screen. But for every kid, we have a digital representation of the important things that 
relate to that child's learning, not just their academic learning, but also their non-academic learning, and everything logistic that goes into kind of setting up the experience for them, whether it's who has permission to pick them up or their allergy information or mm -hmm. you name it, right? And you have two very different privacy regimes. You have things like, you know, the, the, the video footage that we described that's for the benefit of the actual student and the teacher, so they can use it as a kind of superpower to reflect on what happened, to get feedback from others. And then you have the data that is anonymized, that's aggregated, that's for the benefit of everyone, but it has essentially no privacy implication there. And by kind of controlling the whole environment, we get to do something very interesting from a technical perspective. This is part of the broader kind of fear of technology. And, mm -hmm. and what I'll say is, you know, if you don't use technology, to bring down the cost of complexity, if you don't use technology to allow you to be more flexible, then you have to standardize, no matter what industry or practice you're talking about. So that's what we have in traditional education. We have extreme standardization, right? So in old school, over 50% of the milestones that each child is working on is not at their age. It's sometimes below and generally above their age. So the idea that, oh, let's just make the assumption that, you know, a 10-year-old is right around this level of learning in each of these 10 subjects, that's wrong most of the time, right? And so when you make all of those assumptions, when you say, okay, well, I, I can't grade 20 different you know, uh, demonstrations of knowledge that come back from 20 different kids, so I'm gonna standardize. I'm gonna say, this is the way I'm going to test you so that I can grade it quickly. You're essentially training kids to think like computers. There's an irony, which is that if you don't use technology in education, you're training humans to do the kind of thinking that computers are getting better and Road better thinking. and better at doing. Rote thinking. Mm -hmm. And you look at these charts that sh show you know, repetitive physical labor and repetitive mental labor is going away because that's what computers and, and machines do well. You're creating and have created a platform that, it, that is sort of an informational era you know, school system for a how would you complete that between the industrial era for a fossil fuel economy and an information era for a... I think you talk about it as, you know, you have an education system that was created for a mass production era, and now we're in a mass customization era. Right. right? You have a, a traditional education system that's all about, you know, turning generalist agrarian producers into specialized consumers of goods and information. And we're actually entering an era where being a producer of knowledge, being a producer of goods, being a producer of you know, jobs is the way to be successful. It is the way to be happy. And it's possible because you have these unbelievable platforms that have been created that elevate the individual through the combination of kind of digital technology and society. You have raised over $100 million. So when, you, when you're pitching to the big money, like Andreessen or Founders Fund, um, uh, and you're saying, here's the total addressable market, here's the TAM, is mm -hmm. it the U.S. school system? Well, it's, it's, the, it's the global system and what could reasonably be spent on, let's say, high fixed cost, low variable cost inputs to quality. And, and we believe that a future can exist where about 10 cents of every dollar is spent on essentially R&D, things that have a very, very high fixed cost that cost billions or tens of billions of dollars to develop that everybody can use 
that costs almost nothing for the additional person to use, and that actually gets better with more and more people using it. Five or 10 years from now, you've got 20 or 40 or 60 really great schools, but you haven't, the, the, the world has not taken you to the to their chest and said, this is what I want to do, I'm in, let's get on the alt school platform? Uh, you know, so, so technically speaking, you need to be at about 50,000 student scale in order to just make the, the kind of technology investment that we're geared up to make annually. Got it. So you, you have your work. So there's, there's some minimum scale below which, you know, it, it's not sustainable. You need to think about how you kind of pivot this. Right. Right. But that's a low number. I don't think any of, you know, my co-founders who are in this for 10 years in terms of the vest that we have right. for all of the, the, you know, very senior people have joined on to this effort. That's not what we're doing this for, right? right? We're right. doing this not only to have a much, much bigger scale, but I think really critically to be a much, much smaller part of that scale. Right. Like we want to be a catalyst for moving back from this immense fragmentation we have in the education space on both sides. Right. You are a for-profit company, mm -hmm. um, but you are not a typical for-profit company. Um, there are many for-profit educational companies that sort of operate in the margins of various parts of the educational system. You are a public benefit corporation, mm -hmm. um, uh, which is different. Um, and as you mentioned uh, earlier, you have a 10-year vest for most of your co-founders, mm -hmm. which is you know, much longer than the typical startup. Um, so tell me what, what it is that made you set this company up differently, and what is different about being a PBC? <coughs> yeah, so I, I, I think Alt School is part of uh, a much bigger movement and, and a much bigger opportunity to create a kind of fourth sector in the economy. You can say, you know, a for-profit company that's generating its profits through R&D, that's generating its profits by creating, you know, a higher quality service that costs people less, and along the way having all kinds of positive externalities, that's a different kind of organization. So that's what you would call a fourth sector. That's what I would call a fourth sector. We, we call them NUCOs. <laughs> NUCOs is, is yeah. at some, but I, but the, at I some think, point they I have think we're talking about like, extreme NUCOs or, you know, what we call total NUCOs, you know, companies that are driven by their mission, it's, as you are, um, and have also actually taken the step of canonizing that mission into the structure, legally, of their company, which is what you've done with the PBC. And I believe that in the future there will be more and more definition for what these companies are. There will be more and more support for these companies because I have to say today it's extremely hard running one of these companies. The valley and the way that companies are funded isn't set up to, you know, to, to, to drive more of these companies and the success of these companies. If you think about industrial, you know, uh, the industrial model, Rockefeller made all his money and then spent kind of his golden years giving it away and setting up foundations and becoming a philanthropist, mm -hmm. right? Um, and that's certainly even with the first generation of wildly successful tech entrepreneurs, that's what Gates did, right? But instead of sort of stepping back and figuring out how to create foundations and distribute money, you and others uh, maybe form a cohort where it's not so much as you say philanthropy, it's that you now feel liberated 
to think about business a different way. Is that a fair way of putting it? For sure. Yeah. Well, I wish you all the best in your endeavor. And, Thanks, John. And I hope that Alt School takes off and, you know, five years from now you come back and we can talk about how you're at, you know, a million students. <laughs> I, I like that too. Maybe right. in 10 years. <laughs> Maybe in 10. All Thanks, right. John. Well, thank you very much. Thanks to our sponsor, EY, for their support of our first season of the Shift Dialogue podcast. EY, building a better working world.